0: Alright everyone, welcome back to another episode of Stream of Thought. And today we start off with a very interesting situation that's been going on for the past, oh, year or so. Where there are cars in the parking lot of my work that haven't moved for weeks at a time. And what follows is something that blows Victor's mind. And is something that I cannot believe that I've not shared with him before. But then, to refresh yourself... We got to listen to Victor's morning routines to get up at four in the morning and go on a run. What the heck is that like? Uh, You'll have to listen to find out.
1: There's a reason. I'm an early bird, but I also can't bring myself to not do it because of a certain change in routine, I guess you can say. Give you guys a little update in my life as to what's happening. I think you'll find it quite entertaining. In addition to life update, life update number two, we talk a little bit about just uh, the psychology of being human and what it means to just endure the fire and come out the other side. Ricks and I had a little heart-to-heart on Monday. We were about to record an episode, and we couldn't do it because we were in too much pain. So with that being said, episode number 145 of Stream of Thought, we hope you enjoy
0: well there was an interesting thing that happened at the office yesterday
1: and i found it can't wait to hear about it
0: (sighs) definitely an interesting situation so i've talked to you i don't know how many times i've talked to you before about the whole car ride sharing thing going on in the parking lot of our office building
1: have i never Have
0: have i never mentioned this before no what's going on it's like a. It's. Okay. I can't believe I've never told you this before. This. Man, this is such a juicy topic. Holy cow. Really? Okay. So. Yeah. What? B- backstory then. I'll, I'll give you kind of a, a brief recap. About. It was about in December of this past year, December 2019, when my mom and myself started noticing when, when we went to the office that there were cars that weren't moving, and we could tell that they weren't moving because there was snow on the ground, but no tire tracks, ever. And so you had probably about anywhere from six to ten cars that would sit stationary for a period of anywhere from one week to a month, where they're, they oh, just, they'd just be parked park there. And it, it got to a point where there was actually a car that, had been one of those that was parked there periodically that got a flat tire and just sat there. No one, no one moved it. No one did anything with it. It was just there. And so that ended up getting towed along with a, a couple of others that, uh, I guess it, it was very clear that they were, um, more or less abandoned. So I think there were three, three cars that ended up getting towed back in February or something like that. But, my mom and I were very curious because our window overlooks the east side of the parking lot and these cars park primarily on the east side. Some of them park on the north side as well. But we were like, what, what is going on here? We had these cars parked here for three, three or four weeks at a time, two to four weeks at a time. And then they'd be gone. They, someone would drive them off and then bring it back five days later and it would sit there again for another <laughs> same couple cars? of weeks. The exact same cars that came <laughs> back over and over again. And it, it wasn't until about, oh gosh, four, it was actually right before uh, quarantine. So that would have been March, like right. early March, late February. Early to the middle of
1: March, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So we started noticing something very peculiar that was going on. Because it just so happened that both my mom and myself, on separate occasions, witnessed multiple times uh, a very interesting activity going on around these cars when they came and went. And here's what would happen. So there would be a car that would be sitting there for a couple of weeks. It would disappear. But then when it came back, what we would see is an individual get out of the car, use their phone to take pictures of basically every single inch of the car and then leave in another vehicle. Whether they were picked up or they just walked down the street or um, there was a car waiting for them or something like that. And then there were a couple of times as this progressed and we noticed that this was this was becoming kind of a routine, that sometimes there would be multiple people there uh, by the car. They'd drive their own car in. And they would hand off the keys to the other car and basically, like, just swap cars. They'd take out all the stuff in their trunk and take all, all the stuff out of their backseat. <laughs> wait, back seat. wait, wait,
1: wait. So there'd be two cars. Person one gets out of car number one. Person two gets out of car number two. They exchange keys, and then person one goes in car number two, and person number two goes in car number one. Yes. It
0: was, <laughs> it was very unusual. I, I don't know if okay. you've ever heard of anything remotely like that. It was... I don't know. I, I mean, I I'd, I'd never seen something like that before, and it was just it was so weird because then it was again right before quarantine that we got an email from the uh, property manager, and the property manager only comes by when repairs are happening and stuff like that. Just like he's not a frequent visitor, so he doesn't know what cars are consistently there. But I guess for for some reason, I think there was construction going down on the first floor that they were repairing the the ceiling tiles and so he was there a little bit more often sent out an email to all the business owners on the complex and asked them so what's going on with with like another three or four of these cars we you know he caught wind of it he he noticed something was off and uh, because these cars were were there oh I mean they're there overnight they're there like in a parking lot Oh right that, with
1: the whole snow yeah okay well
0: yeah and and then after that, even in the spring it's uh, you know you could you could definitely tell that these cars hadn't moved for a period of time. so if he's coming back multiple days in a row notices the same car in the same place not having moved for a period of time um, so that's pretty much where that was left. I don't think that there were any other cars that were towed. Then, uh, as, as we're, so, so what, what do you think, what is your, what is your assessment so far of what is going on here? Because we have some theories.
1: I don't, I, the first thing that I think of is that, that, well, it, I find it jarring that two individuals would already have cars and then just switch. But when you said, you know, car sharing, I thought, oh, maybe, you know, someone leaves their car there and they post their car online for anybody who needs a vehicle for the weekend or something and it's just extra and they use it like a like a ride share. But I found it odd that you said these two people at one point switched keys and cars and then... It, so I don't really know what to make of it at this point. Okay, and that was
0: only one time too, I, I would say, because I, okay. I saw this probably about half a dozen times or so, where it normally was that there was either somebody else there waiting to pick them up or they would just walk to the bus station or something like that. So okay. I, I think that that guess of a, of a rideshare thing is the theory that we're kind of working with right now. But we got an email yesterday from the property manager once again. And he included the uh, photos of the backs, back of the car, so the license plates included, and asked... Everyone on the property, if they knew whose cars these were, (laughs) because he had no idea. And (laughs) it's like, at that point, I'm like, okay, so this is obviously something that's not on the up and up. It's, it's, it's probably, you know, kind of a, what do you call it? A Not a black market, but it's a underground economy that seems to be (laughs) occurring right now. (laughs) Much, much like the drug trade was when underground we were, yeah.
1: economy. Hey man, <laughs> that is a new—that's a new term, a new politically correct term.
0: That's a, thats an actual term. I mean, that's what the—that's uh, what the marijuana business was like before Illinois became legalized.
1: Underground economy, underground economy, black market. <laughs> that's what it is. Freaking black market. It's not where there's it's... no regulation yeah it's I mean it's not like it, it's not like you're buying a kidney off the internet black market <laughs> but yeah underground economy seems to be fitting yeah and that and that that activity. is a,
0: that is an appropriate legitimate term so politically correct term <laughs> a little 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 nicer than black market. so <laughs> it's clear at that point, and I made the decision because there are there are three cars that are always clustered together. They're normally on the east side, but they've been on the north side of the parking lot, just parked there for probably about two and a half weeks or so, two to two and a half weeks. But one of them is like a bright orange car, and the other one is a a cherry red car, so they're very distinctive. Like it's a uh, like kind of like an SUV, Jeep type uh, orange car, and then the red one's also kind of distinctive as well. And I... (laughs) my my mom then instructed me to go take pictures of those cars and send them to the property manager because he had only included the cars that were on the east side of the parking lot not on the north side and so i i was like oh god okay cuz i know this is uh this is going to be interesting so i end up going down and i do take pictures and then i email them to the property manager and like 15 minutes later, he sends out another email blast to all the owners, including the photos that I had sent him, saying, does anyone know these cars as well? If no one claims any of these cars that I've sent within the next week or so, we're, we're having them all towed. And so here, here I'm contributing to the dismantling of this very interesting and weird underground economy experiment. But... Bro, what, what are your thoughts i'm I'm kind of curious what, what your thoughts are on just the uh, the operation if it is kind of a rideshare type situation um that's
1: not working on the level I just want to know exactly what it is me too i I'm dying to figure out what it is i, I... because for me personally it's like uh eh, nobody you know they're not hurting anyone the cars are just sitting there so I don't really care about the logistics behind it I just want to know what it is mm-hmm and I found it odd when you said they've been there for weeks and weeks and weeks because I've done that before. Where I remember one time, we, my friends and I, we left, we met up at a Target and we left our cars in the Target parking lot, but it was just for the weekend because then we all got in one person's car and we drove down south for a bachelor party. So, but that was just a weekend. It wasn't like weeks on end. There wasn't any pattern to it. Right, right. You know? Um, but I will I will tell you, I do know that when I was at Aldi Glen Ellen, every now and then there would be cars, like that you'd see the same car in the parking lot at the at the end of the night. But it really sometimes it would sometimes it would be there the next day, sometimes it wouldn't, but it would always be there at night. And then I realized that it's probably somebody living out of their car, and they just need a place to park it overnight because they can't leave it on the street. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and one time there was a car that was sitting there for weeks, and I told Karen, I was like, can we just tow this car? What the heck? But then I guess they had gotten special permission from Aldi to leave their car there because their battery died or some weird situation. But the whole exchanging of – I don't know. The car, it's, it's very baffling. It's weird. And I mean, I understand. Have you tried Googling? Have you tried Googling it and seeing if you find any forums or just any clues that might help describe what this is? I
0: actually thought about that. And that was something that I wanted to do. I just don't know where to start. I don't know what a good, like, like illegal ride sharing organizations near me. I mean,
1: just type in, just, I mean, maybe just type in cars parked overnight in parking lot several for several weeks. And just see oh so you're up.
0: thinking of go, going down more of the investigative route to ca- kind of figure out what this thing's called exactly. as a whole in
1: fact I'm on it right now <laughs> of course you are of course you are
0: <laughs> oh man yeah so I as you're as you're uh searching right now I don't know if you're gonna find interrupt me if you find anything uh uh interesting but yeah my my thoughts and part of the reason too why my mom is irritated is because first of all they take her parking spot uh, a lot of the times and they're just parked there for uh she she's very particular about where she parks her her vehicle and uh, half the time they'll they'll park in the space and then leave the car there for weeks on end so she has to park somewhere else and that doesn't make her happy but then I also think and she had brought this up that I mean they're using somebody's private property to run a business without actually paying some sort of transaction fee it'd be different if they had kind of a understanding where the property managers would be the beneficiary of little little something something to try and get but you know to to do it to do it just a commandeer basically you know our parking lot is gosh it's just not necessary I mean it's it it just feels as though this is this is not the right place to run it's your strange business.
1: because it's strange because it's I get the feeling that maybe these transactions that are taking place are in between individuals who have never met each other, you know? And so you'd think if there was t- some type of business going on where there is an exchange of a motor vehicle, you'd think it'd be somewhere that's more common. Hey, the, you know, the McDonald's or the intersection of whatever 22nd and Highland at the ge- like, because you would have to be extremely descriptive to tell somebody where the car is in that lot. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think
0: I think the problem with something like that would be the uh, awareness of uh, people who are constantly watching. Yeah, I mean, they have cameras looking at the parking lot. There's no cameras in this parking lot. It's also in kind of an industrial complex area as well. So very few, like you never really see police officers and we're right next to a fire station. So all the stuff's coming away from there. So people aren't super observant as to these kind of trends. The only reason that we know that they're there is that we basically park in those same spots and we see the same car day after day after day. And we come in, you know, my mom gets there at anywhere from like six in the morning, five or six in the morning. And then um I'll do my podcast recording on the weekends there and the cars just never move. They're, they're always there. So I don't, I, I'm assuming they think that it's kind of a, because it's a low traffic area, they can, they can slide under the radar to, to make it work. So it's innovative. And I I don't know it. I think I've only seen, and this is kind of the tough part too, for me is because I uh, only noticed, I think one white person who was part of these car exchanges and same
1: with so Lamont, what you're too. saying. It, so that's it's so str- I don't know. I'm still I just really want to know what it is. Well, and I've, I really want to
0: know. I've half considered going out and just asking, hey, what's going on kind of thing. But it's like it it seems shady enough. I'd rather not.
1: Uh, hey, we'll pop open the trunk and show you. Yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're missing. Well, honest. I mean, you know what? Things things do happen in our town that aren't. Uh, I mean, our town is a perfect spot for shady stuff to happen because no one would suspect it. Do you remember – I believe there was – you know in that little plaza where Trader Joe's is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a Mexican restaurant next to where they have the salon or something like that. Anyway, there used to be some type of restaurant there and it ended up shutting down because it was a – I bo- I don't know exactly either. They were selling drugs out of the restaurant, or the restaurant was a front to launder money. Wow, something like that in the burbs. Something weird like that in the that. burbs yeah. of
0: Chicago. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean that's and and honestly, that's that's some that's but some sort whatever of it there. is.
1: I really want to know what it is. Depending on on what it could be, I'm you know I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for anybody <laughs> who's who's just. Trying to make some money as long as they don't hurt anybody, uh, as long as they don't hurt themselves or other people. I'm rooting for people to get some money under the table. Yeah. Get some of that money that Uncle Sam can't, you know, pinch it, his fingers with.
0: But, I mean, you think about vehicle registration and stuff like that. If they get pulled over by the cops, I mean, the vehicle's obviously not going to be registered in their name. I mean... There's, there, there would obviously be issues if something like that were to happen, I would think. And yet, all the same cars come back over and over again. And I've never seen one, uh, one absent after a, a period of time. Like that orange car has probably been there for about a year now.
1: That is weird because if they were stolen, they wouldn't be used over and over.
0: Oh, no, totally. Know. No, no, no. And I, I don't think that there's anything like that going on. I think that this is, um, yeah, I, I've just never heard of anything like that. Did your did your Google results indicate anything on preliminary?
1: No, I didn't do any. I mean, all I did was type a few words in, but I never found anything that was pertinent to abandoned car. Oh, I should use the word abandoned. I didn't say that. I just said cars parked in parking lot overnight or something like that. Yeah, so I'm. Think- I didn't do a very in depth search. <laughs> well,
0: I'm, I'm thinking that I'll probably do a little more investigation while I'm at the, the office yeah. tomorrow. Google, Google it a little more. See do if, see what I can find. But I
1: did remember something, um, that, uh, when you said that your mom gets there sometimes at six in the morning, that did trigger an idea I had, uh, lately I've been the last few, for some reason. So I have difficulty sleeping. So what I do sometimes is I take melatonin, which you can get it Uh, in any vitamin department. Yep. Part part of my my life, man. I use, I have pills that are three grams, so I usually cut it in half. Anyway, what happens is when I go to bed and I take the melatonin, I only sleep for like five hours and I wake up feeling ready to go. And I'm thinking to myself, I need more sleep. I know my body is awake, but going to bed at 10 o'clock... And waking up at 2.30 in the morning, regardless of how I feel, is not healthy. No. Unless I just happen to get that perfect REM cycle. Yes. Which still is three hours. Would be, I think, they're 90-minute increments. So I don't know. You know, I don't know. Unless, you know, your body, depending on what's going on, can get supercharged in that amount of time. You know, if everything lines up just right. I don't know. Anyway... I woke up this morning at 2.30. Oh, my God. I think it was. Oh, my God. Or maybe it was 2 o'clock. And I was like, what the heck? I, need, or two, I don't know. Oh. And I tried going back to sleep. And about 30, 40 minutes go by where I realized I'm not going back to bed. And then 4 o'clock rolls around. And... I decide to go for a run. So I run like six or seven miles. Anyway, what I'm trying to get is I've started my day at four or five in the morning and I just get up and go. And dude, let me tell you, going for a run at four or five in the morning is so freaking awesome. There is no, there's almost nobody on the roads. So I go to Doheny and back. And it's not bliss. It's not hot outside. It's still dark. And when I get back, it makes me feel like no matter what I do the rest of the day, I accomplish something great. Yeah, that was. And so I've been doing that. And it's crazy because 930, 10 o'clock rolls around and I've been up for like five hours. Yeah. And I'll have a full day before it's even lunchtime.
0: <laughs> it's a, so that that's probably one of my favorite memories from seminary is that we would have our running club that I started, and uh, we would leave the lobby at 6 o'clock. So everyone was there at like 5.45 in the morning, so I'd normally be up at about 5 or whatever, you get done with that run early in the morning. You're, you know, it's before people are on the streets. You can uh, run through cent- an empty Central Park. I mean, and and then to get back and just feel invigorated. I don't know. It was it was probably one of the one of the biggest motivating factors for all the stuff that I did while I was in seminary. That it just gave me that little boost of. um endorphins in the back of my head saying you you've already accomplished something it's not sun sun's barely rising and you've already done more than most people are going to do in the day so that was yeah i i totally empathize with that that's probably something i should do a little bit more of <laughs> get back do it. into it's
1: fun it's it's, it, it's like i don't know it's it makes you feel just grown up and responsible <laughs> and like you're just knocking knocking things out and what's great is because well, it sets the tone for the rest of the day.
0: Absolutely, I feel like I can get yeah.
1: a lot of stuff done, and I can just sit back and do nothing, and then I can still get a lot of stuff done later on. Like I, I tell myself in the middle of the day, if I need to just chill out for an hour, I I'm fine with it because it's like it acts like a, a little breather. Yeah, but it's just so refreshing to go for a run, come back, stretch, shower, and be ready to start your day, and it's you know 5 in the morning 6 in the morning
0: yep yeah that's but, awesome wow but wow 4 4 in the morning that's um yeah that's pretty remarkable that's around my, cuz my mom normally wakes up between 3:30 and 4 in the morning as well so Damn. that's that's how she Yeah dude she my mom used
1: to wake up my mom used to I think be at work by 3 or 3:30 in the morning oh god when she, when we were growing up and she was part time at American Airlines
0: Oh, wow. No kidding.
1: I think – no, I believe she said she would wake up at 3.30 to be there by 5, and she would be home by the time we were done with school. Wow. And, yeah. I can't believe it because imagine – I mean, how much would that suck having to wake up that early? I'm just thinking of winter right now. Waking up that <laughs> early, dust all the snow off your car, warm up the car, you're driving on the road – and it just—I don't know—to the airport, and then where she has to park, then take a bus to. Oh my goodness, that sucked. That would suck. But get this. Side note. Yeah. Are you ready for this? Bring it. You're gonna be like. You're gonna be like, what the hell? Okay. So on Monday, because I, I told you I, I go to work. I went to work on Monday, right? Did I tell you that? I uh, kept you up to speed on. Oh no, we haven't. No. We, ha- we haven't talked. We haven't talked for. We haven't done a straight up or a, we haven't done a uh, <laughs>
0: stream of thought, yeah. We for haven't about released a week.
1: one of these episodes for 8 days now. I think so. Because we talked on Monday. We didn't do a we didn't do, we talked on Monday, but we didn't do a recording. We didn't record. Yeah. So to keep so to bring everyone up to speed, I a few weeks ago, LA County called me up and was like, "Hey, when can you start working?" because I had interviewed with them before the pandemic and then the pandemic happened. And I was like, well, saying goodbye to that job. Nothing's happening now. <laughs> and so when they called me, I was like, I'll start in two weeks. And then I told Sprouts, I'm being, I'm going to be here for one more week. And so I was there for one more week. And then last week was my week off. Right. And so it was my week off in between Sprouts and starting the job with LA County. So I go to work on Monday, and I go to Marina Del Rey for this orientation thing. And then I go back up north to Will Rogers, which I don't expect you to understand anything that I'm saying. But for anybody who lives in L.A., you'll see exactly why I did the thing that I did. (laughs) So I'm at Marina Del Rey. I have to drive back up north to Will Rogers Beach. And from there, they're showing us a few things. And there, I find out where they're going to place me. And some people are at Will Rogers beach. Some people go down to El Segundo and whatnot. And I was like, what? They're like, you're going to Zuma beach. I was like, what? I mean, I didn't know. I knew that I could be placed anywhere, but I guess it's different knowing than it is experiencing or coming to the realization. Right. And so, uh, And at the near the end of work on Monday, they just had us like do some cleaning and hang out until the end of our time, which for me, I'm just like, this is stupid. If we're done, why can't we just leave? I'd rather take less pay and just go home than to be here for a certain amount of time. Just be, you know what I'm saying? Right. Doing pointless shit. Exactly. we're doing cleaning, but it got to the point, but there's, I don't know, eight of us. It got to the point where we're just like cleaning the same thing over and over and we're kind of looking at each other like how much more time we got. It was an excruciating 45 minutes, dude. Oh, my God. I know. The first 15 minutes felt like an hour. But the last 15 minutes went by real quick. Anyway, I'm driving home and I'm just like, shit. I don't know if I can do this. And then I get home and we talk on the phone. And then after that, I'm getting ready for bed, and I'm just like, shit, I do not want to go to work tomorrow morning. Like, I don't think this is going to work out for these reasons. It would be different if I was going to be working out of Will Rogers, because that is about 30 minutes, and it is pretty much directly west of where I live. It'd be easy to get to, 30 minutes, no problem. Zuma Beach? Are you kidding me? You're telling me you want me to drive 84 miles oh my God. round trip every day for X amount of dollars. Are you freaking kidding me? And I knew this. Jo- I knew how much this job paid. I knew it paid substantially less than what I made at Sprouts. But this type of work is what I enjoy doing. Right. And – I'm just like, you know what? I'm done with customer service bullshit. I'd rather get paid less and do work that I enjoy rather than get paid more money and do work that sucks. Yeah, And it was just several things that it it all kind of came together. Like having to, I realized, oh, and by the way, also when uh, I woke up in the middle of the night, like at, I don't know, 2.30 in the morning again, Tuesday, early Tuesday morning, the drive to Zuma Beach at two thirty in the morning, when nobody is on the road, is fifty-two minutes. Oh my now, god! Now, mind you, the shifts are from five a.m. until one thirty p.m. So, driving at one thirty in the afternoon is better than driving at three thirty, four, or five o'clock, right? right? So, it's an. I keep telling myself to. Um, I keep telling myself to check. The well, I'll have to get to that in a second. But anyway, I quit after one day. Oh my god! <laughs> I was like, I was like, "Fuck this, dude!" No I'm kidding. And I, keep t- I keep telling myself I want to check Google Maps. What's the length of time to get home at one thirty in the afternoon? You know, is it still fifty two minutes? Because is, is that where it is on the one one? Is that not a lot of traffic, or really would it be an hour fifteen minutes on the way back? And so it's it was just a combination of um, just. Oh and also the hours 5am to one thirty pm You know, I didn't really think what the hours might be, but that's not going to work for me. Not because it's super early, but because that's in the middle of opening bell and I'm not missing opening bell to trade to be at work.
0: Oh, oh, so, yeah, right your, market I'm, stuff. The, the position, right your stock the position that the position the
1: position that I'm in right now is a sink or swim. I have no choice but to be successful at day trading because I I quit my job after a day. I'm not at Sprouts. And looking back on everything, I feel like this could not have been avoided. I I feel like it I was pushed into this scenario by the universe whether I wanted it to happen or not. You know? Yeah. That so that's kind of what I feel right now and Monday Monday morning, I send the HR lady the email because my shift starts at 5. I sent her an email at 4 o'clock in the morning. And then later, she emailed me back around noon and was like, hey, not a problem. I just let your supervisor know, so no worries. And I told her the truth. I said to her, hey, I knew it was going to be a commute, but I didn't realize how long of a commute, and it just kind of hit me. I'd rather just tell you this right now than quit down the line. So she was fine with it. I send the email, right? About ten seconds go by, and I think, "Wait, can I retract that email? How how long? How much time passes before I can't bring it back anymore?" And I think I have the setting to be ten seconds, uh-huh. because when I hit it, when I hit send, there was a little icon that said like it didn't say retract, but it said undo. Undo.
0: Yeah. And I'm looking
1: at I'm looking at the word undo dot dot dot, and then it disappeared, and, and I thought, "Well, <laughs> no turning back now." <laughs> and um, and I felt awesome that day on tuesday i felt really shitty on monday for various reasons yeah. tuesday i woke up feeling awesome i was like you know what i'm gonna quit this job everything's gonna work out i feel so positive positive. and after i sent the email i had an amazing day i went out for that's when i went out for a run at five in the morning i came back i did some trading i had a productive day and then yesterday yesterday afternoon i was like oh shit i had another breakdown and then i was thinking like shit was this really the the right choice and i just went to bed and then today i woke up feeling feeling better about everything and i realized that you know one time heals all wounds Mm -hmm. and two i felt you know victor i had a good day today trading yesterday and today and so i was like you know what i think i'll be i think i'll be all right because monday i didn't do well trading i made some mistakes i shouldn't have made but yesterday and today i was like okay you know what victor you got this you've got plenty of money to last you for several months and all you need to do is work one hour a day in the morning just be disciplined you'll be okay so now i feel very confident but the last few days last couple days were uh I don't, there was a bit of trepidation that was flowing through my bloodstream yeah all freaking day, actually for almost six or seven days straight trepidation from the thing that I had a meltdown about and then the last two days about leaving work but now I feel good now i feel I feel better <laughs> So that's my uh, current situation. <laughs> wow,
0: dude, that is that is quite the <laughs> roller coaster of emotions right there. Holy cow! Yeah. What? Uh, wow. Yeah. Because you know, I mean, dealing with my own circumstances too of trying to figure out, you know, what what is what is my next direction in life right now? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you got to take a risk. Sometimes you got to take a gamble. Sometimes it pays off. Sometimes it doesn't. But
1: sometimes you just need a good meltdown, bro. To, to help. Just make you feel a little bit better. You know, man oh man, I learned a lot about myself that day. Yeah. And I started thinking of some things. And the catalyst of the meltdown was one particular thing. But looking back, I think inside of that meltdown that I didn't realize were other things that I had that I had buried or didn't really think were that big of a deal. Yep. And so it all came out. And then on Tuesday, I felt amazing. I felt awesome. And then yesterday, again, in the middle of the afternoon and a a couple times throughout the day, I had a little bit of a breakdown, not as big as the one that you witnessed, just smaller occurrences. Yeah. But I just told myself, like, dude, you just you just need to let yourself feel all of these emotions and just let them flow through you. Everything is going to be fine. But it just it sucks because after the big after the big one on monday i woke up tuesday feeling refreshed and it was crazy because it was like oh my goodness i have this shift in perspective which would not have else which would not have occurred had i not felt like i gone i went through a little bit of fire yes and so i i was like oh <sighs> yeah <laughs> Well, I mean, you,
0: so. you, you think about the emotional intensity of what you had to go through. I mean, like, uh, aside from your other issues, you quit a job, you start a new job, you quit that job, and suddenly it's like, I mean, that that's just added stress to everything, and, and you're totally right. It does build up. I know. That's kind of... It was... So for me, you know, when when I had called you, literally the catalyst, it was literally like a straw... Like a straw that broke the camel's back where the audio just stopped working for the, the wedding, um, uh, conference oh, thing okay. that, that I was working on. And I just, I fucking flipped out and it wasn't, it wasn't that issue specifically. It was just the culmination of everything that I was experiencing. And so, yeah, man, like, and I'm somebody too, who doesn't tend to emote. Uh, I mean, I can be a very, emo- you know, I can be a very emotional person, but I tend not to like. I tend not to express that on a regular basis. And so when it all just builds up, it's just, it's like, it's like a pimple that once you pop it, just (laughs) 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 I thought I'd insert a little levity there, a little gross levity, but yeah, it's, uh, Oh man, when when you're able to, and I think too, you're you're taking risks. You're you're actually doing stuff that is is pretty pretty radical for I think most people to um, to quit a good paying job to take a lesser paying one, and then to quit that job and to to actually have something to focus on.
1: Now, well, that was it too because on Instagram I follow a lot of accounts that are like motivational accounts and everything right Yeah, and yeah, yeah. i watch a lot of interviews and motivational videos and you see common themes and one of them is taking the risk and being uncomfortable that's the one thing anyone who's ever been successful in life has taken a huge risk and has undergone just being extremely uncomfortable
0: yeah
1: and i don't know it's it's like what i needed right now now i feel i feel comfortable being uncomfortable it's a little it's a little strange but i feel confident in myself but yeah man the last 2 days wow i that that was stressful
0: you know it it it's good every once in a while for me anyway because sometimes i worry that i'm a bit of a sociopath and so when i experience emotions like that and it just kind of pours out like a waterfall um, it reminds me that I I am I do have feelings. I am a human being. That is it, so. Yeah, I think it's it's part of the human experience, and to be able to like let it all out or be able to to physically process that um, has been helpful for me because uh, I've I've had that more times than I care to count. Where it's just it builds up and it's like.
1: And it's dude. The the trickiest thing is the biggest burden that I had. I've put on myself as asking myself like, you know, if I only did this one thing different or what if I did this (laughs) instead of doing, what if I did this instead of doing that? And you, you just, you just can't help. And this is related to the meltdown, not the job situation, Yeah. but you just, you just can't blame yourself for the situation that you're, that you're in. Based on something that you did or didn't do and you just keep playing over and over and over and over and over for months and months and months and months. What if I just did this different? Why didn't I do it like this? Why did I have to do it like that? (laughs) Is this – was this my only opportunity? Was this a test? Is there something else coming? And you – and it's just – it's so hard. And for me – Somebody who is very chilled out and relaxed about a lot yeah. of things. I had to admit to myself, like Victor, you, you've been suffering from anxiety like the last few months, and you've been burying it, and it's just been this little, this little thing, this little thing that builds up without you realizing it, and then one day something just happens and you snap.
0: Totally, I completely agree, <laughs> bro. I mean, I come, I come at it from a very different perspective too. Um, but I think that the end result is kinda of the same. So with my sort of ministry history and stuff like that, I have it is so ingrained in me that life comes out of death and so suffering is necessary to achieve better enlightenment. And I, I think that a lot of people's philosophies for those that, that go through that is, is that's how it kind of develops. And I realized and I think part of part of the buildup too was just a realization that I've never really processed what happened with me at BASF, where it's one of those things where it's like, literally. I mean, uh, if I had if I had been explicit with the HR people down in South Carolina, where they were processing my application after they offered me the job and going through the background check stuff, which is why I got let go, is because I didn't pass the background check, even though I was working there already. And I was thinking to myself, if I had only taken 60 seconds to say, hey, I have a criminal uh, misdemeanor on my record. Is that going to be a problem to the HR person as opposed to the colleagues that I was working with? Things might have turned out different. And so I've got that lingering regret over not doing that, but I'm also thinking to myself, was that inevitable anyway? If I had said that at the very outset after they offered me the job, would that have just been like, okay, well, you're terminated now as opposed to you getting an extra week and a half to work there right. as we were running the background check? Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, and and it really, that's something that I, I still haven't, I still haven't gotten over. I mean, I worked my ass off to do that and it's like one or two things, if I had just done one or two things differently, it might have turned out in a totally different environment. And the regret that I have for not achieving what was in my grasp, I mean, fucking, I mean, it was, well, it was a $80,000 job, an entry-level <laughs> customer service, three weeks vacation, uh, two weeks sick leave, and financial incentives if you met the the standard for, customer service processing. Like, bro, that's hard to get over, man. Uh, for somebody who's trying to rebuild his life and still kind of in a hole from the, the gambling addiction that I had had five years ago, it's like, man, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And then suddenly for the, the, the train barreling forward to that progression. And then suddenly a gate comes down and just crashes the train, and everything just blows up. Um, It's like, yeah, but I have, I've never really fully processed it. And even now I still, that's still kind of a lingering thing in the back of my head.
1: You just have to, I mean, you just have to trust that there's a purpose behind all of it because for me, I had this, I mean, I was telling you on Monday how I, I didn't know if, so prior, prior to moving to California and then once I moved here, I had this thought and i and there were some there were some subtleties along the way that made me believe this is the route that i'm supposed to be taking with this particular thing that i'm thinking about and then reality doesn't line up with what you thought was going to happen or maybe it kind of maybe it does a little bit but then it doesn't and then it does a little bit and then it doesn't so i i didn't know <laughs> what was going on i was like i I feel like I'm getting signs from the universe, but the reality of the situation is it doesn't feel like that. Is this supposed to be happening to me? Or am I creating this world inside my head that's just one big delusion? And then on Monday, everything just came crashing down because you build this idea in your head and when reality doesn't meet what you thought was going to happen or what you want to happen, it's like you you don't know how to process it. Well, yeah. Yes. Everything that you thought you knew is completely shattered. And you have to now r- completely recalibrate what your mentality has been the last several years. Bro, it's such you, a fucking – it sucks, but it's a lesson. And you, again, I don't like, – it's just – it's so hard it's like do i move on or do i tell myself this is supposed to happen i'm being tested and still go down this this route you know is this the path or is this just a fucking rabbit hole that's gonna negative that's gonna negatively impact me and it's like i don't know what to believe i'm in limbo right now and that's when everything comes crashing down you have no idea what's going on
0: yeah yeah well and and i you know that was one of the things too. I mean, going into ministry, it was like my, my ultimate goal was to become the president of the, the United church of Christ, like to, to eventually elevate to that level. And like, that was the path I was on since probably seventh grade. And then it all collapsed around me in just a couple of years. And I was like, what, what do I do with my life right now? I mean, I know I'm a, I'm a capable, qualified individual to do pretty much anything that is asked of me. I love a challenge. I love learning new things, but it's like, I spent so much time trying to do this. Now I have to reorient everything that I think about because that's yeah. not in the cards in the foreseeable future. And it's, uh, Oh man, dude. And I wonder too, how many people actually, cause I know you and I go through this. I know Neil's gone through that in his own experience. I feel like a lot of our friends have. Um, I wonder how of a, how much of a universal experience that is for people to, uh, come to those crosswords where they realize that the path that they are on, uh, is a dead end. I, I don't want to say a dead end, but it's, it ends and you've got to hop onto another path. I mean, dude, like you wonder why people are so angry and, uh, built up emotions and stuff like that. Now, I, th- I think that you and I probably are individuals who process it slightly better than well, the average person but... there's
1: one there's one thing and it's a tiny thing that can have a momentous uh effect on your thinking and because when things shitty things happen you ask yourself why 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 there's no fucking answer as to why you need to allow yourself allow it's okay to feel shitty uh, allow yourself to feel the emotions. And then you need to ask yourself, what is it that I can learn from this situation? Yes. And when I asked myself that question, I learned, I was like, Victor, you need to accept the fact that the circumstances, the given circumstances are not what you imagine them to be. And it's entirely possible that you made up all of this shit in your head. And you need to just accept that and move on. And Hmm. so I was like, oh, my goodness. And then there were a couple other things that I realized. And you just – you move so fast through life. You never allow yourself time to really stop and address internal issues. I mean sometimes you do. Regardless of how well you try and do it, maybe it will always resurface or whatnot. But – After that happened, when I woke up on Tuesday feeling a lot better and I felt like I came out of the fire, I was like, wow, I'm not happy that happened, but I am because I needed it. And then I felt like shit again the next day. And then today I felt really good. So I'm hoping I feel good, but I, um, I have, I guess you can say I've, I've gone through the worst of it and now it's just time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and part of the reason too, and I'm not going to get too religious here, but part of the reason why I find myself such a, like, even for all the shit that I went through over the past five, six years now, um, that I still hold firm to my Christian faith is that like, for me, you know, the Bible gives me solace and that it's a representation of the human experience. Like anything that you go through, anything that we've like had to deal with is represented in the Bible in some way or another. And the whole point is that there's there is a tomorrow if you want there to be you don't know what it's going to look like god works in mysterious ways but man i mean the the story of redemption is is and and resurrection of our own personal souls and understanding of our place in the world that that's the encapsulation of the of the christian experience and it's like every other faith has a variation of that but i mean for me it's it's something that kind of grounds me even even in the worst of times and part of the reason why i've never i've never committed like acted on some of the the self-harm stuff that i know a a lot of our friends in the past did it's like you know god has a plan for me i i hate the place that i am right now but i know that there's going to be a tomorrow and if i keep an open heart i think that that a a path is going to be provided one other thing that i will say too by the way is that uh, just kind of a side note. I find it so interesting that it was, oh gosh, it was 2015 that this all went down. The the spring of 2015 where I ended up, my gambling addiction came to a head and I had to leave the church and went through all the legal stuff. And it was at, at that time when uh, our national politics, where Donald Trump was rising in the polls, and then it was like the election of That following year was around the exact same time that I ended up pleading guilty, going to jail, experiencing all that, coming out of it, starting a new life. It's like what a fuck! Like, like we're all in this alternative reality, and I think to myself, "Am I like? Did I did I do something to the cosmos that I went off this like weird track of?" what life should actually be and i'm living it in the alternative ricks universe where it's like what <laughs> the
1: fuck yeah
0: is going Am I living on living in right the now?
1: universe where i get fucked over over and over again is there another ricks out there who has a fruitful you know bountiful life I,
0: dude <laughs> I, I i actually think that all the time i'm like dude that other ricks has got to be living it up right now why do i have to be stuck in this ricks's body why can't why, why can't I be living in the prosperous Rick's world? Like I think about that all the fricking time.
1: Yeah, man, life's a trip.
0: <laughs> life's a trip. But...
1: Well, I think that concludes things for this episode. Was this number 145? one forty five? one one forty five? Yeah, I think it's one forty five. Yeah, yeah. one forty five. You do you have anything else you want to add, real quick? I hate cooking eggs.